Bibles back up to 1 Corinthians today, and we'll be in verse 11. Wonderful singing this morning and playing Daisy. Thank you. Great reading this morning uh, with Andy in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I enjoy the emphasis that he puts on certain words, the proper pauses when we are looking at the Holy Scriptures. And as we look in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11, guys, we see in these verses, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. So as we see here the, the inspired words of the Apostle Paul in verse 25, saying, uh, As oft as ye drink it, okay, as oft as you. It's something that is personal, the Lord's table is. It's something that is focused on a particular event, which is part of the gospel. And he says that ye show the Lord's death, as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup. You see, the Lord's Supper is not just another meeting. It's not just a little event of the local church. Uh, in a great way today, I believe that one of the, the tricks and the tools of the devil uh, has uh, widely been to have the local church downplay the ordinance of the Lord's table. Consequently, the same thing that he has done is to have a church overemphasize and overutilize the Lord's table. Now, again, there is no written rule of how many times you are to take the Lord's table. I do believe common sense has to play a factor. I also believe that the pastor of the church is the one who should deem when uh, the Lord's table should be taken. Whatever works for this local church, we don't give. A, uh, we're not going to. We, we don't give our uh, um, our life over, our schedule over to a, an entity above us. There is no organization that is above a Calvary Baptist Church in the Cunning Valley here that is going to dictate to us how many times we're going to partake in the Lord's table uh, per year. We don't operate like that. The Lord has placed a pastor here. A pastor is a gift, according to Ephesians chapter 4, to the local church, okay? And that pastor is the one that needs to take the responsibility, if you will, to exercise the Lord's table when he deems it the right time. Saying all that to say this, let's say the pastor do it six days a week. Well, if the Lord has impressed that upon his heart, According to the autonomy of the church, according to the liberty that we have, that can happen. But you've got to be careful. Why do we have to be careful? Because of human nature. I'd love to tell you this morning, guys, that, that you and I have reached a point of where we are at sinless perfection and, and that we don't sin at all. But the Bible's uh, completely against that, amen. Galatians chapter 5 is very clear about the, the war, the battle, if you will, between the flesh and the spirit. They lusteth against one another continually. It is a daily, moment by moment, minute by minute battle. It's a fight. It is. And we both know, we all know here tonight, or this morning, sorry, we all know here this morning 
that anything that we do continually, repetitiously, or overabundantly becomes a ritual. The scripture is against ritual. Rituality and faithfulness are not the same thing. Should we be in church every time the doors are open? Yep, we should. If you want to uh, have a full Christian life, that's what you need to do. Okay? That's not ritual. That's called a schedule prioritized life for a Christian who's given back unto the Lord a very minute opportunity and time of their life of what he's given his entire life up. We come back to the purpose of the Lord's table. Why are we doing it? There's a purpose to the Lord's table. It shows his death. Again, we've, again I, I realize over the course of nearly nine years, we, we've hit this topic multiple times. But in the ordinances, the only two ordinances given to the local church, which is baptism, which is only for saved individuals, uh, born-again believers, uh, people who know they got saved and can make that profession uh, plain and pure, amen? It's not for infants. That's the greatest heresy ever taught uh, in the entire world today. That you're baptizing somebody into, into salvation. Baptismal regeneration is a devil's doctrine. Okay? Those who partake are deceived. Amen? And those things. Willingly deceived, I should say, because it's got the same scripture as we do. But baptism shows the burial of Jesus Christ as well as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The, the latter two-thirds of the gospel. And so does the Lord's table do. It shows his death. It shows his death. It's a reminder to us of what he went through for us to be saved and born again. Turn me down just a little bit. Thank you. So the first thing that we need to understand as a local New Testament church is that the Lord's table is a, an act of remembrance. It's an act of remembrance, if you will. We see this in, in verses 24 and 25 in our scriptures today. If you'll look there with me again. And it says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Again, no set schedule, no set principle, no set days. As oft as you take of this cup and as oft as you take of this bread, you're having remembrance. You're showing my death in remembrance of me. Who? The Lord Jesus Christ. The one who died as a result of sin. The one who died undeservedly. The one who is the only one in this entire, uh, whoever lived in this entire world who did not commit any sin whatsoever. You know, it, it's not just the sin of the world. But the sin that we commit every single day, Jesus Christ died for. If you think about it like this right here, if you think about it under these, uh, go back to the day, the moment, the hour that you were saved. And I don't know what uh, time that may have been. I don't know what uh, place that may have been. It may have been uh, six years ago. It may have been six months ago. It may have been 60 years ago. Who knows? I don't know. You know. I know when I got saved. Amen. We have our children's salvation date. We have those written down, okay? We know those things. And uh, as a matter of fact, several of them hit their anniversary, their, their birthday of their salvation this summer. But I'm saying that to make this point. What if, if he only died for the sins that you had committed up until that point? Up until the point of where, you know, you got saved. And from that point forward, it was your responsibility to not sin. How difficult would that be? Well, first off, it's called impossible, okay? It's called impossible. 
Uh, now, do I believe we choose to sin and do a great way? Absolutely, I do. I, I sit and I talk to people. They say, well, man, I, I slipped up last night. and um, you know, I, I slipped up and I went and got drunk. You didn't slip up. You didn't slip up at all. You made plans to do it. You made plans to go uh, hang out with friends in a place you should not have been, in a time that you should not have been there. Or you made plans to go down to the local, the local um, uh, one-stop shop and buy a bottle of whatever poison, okay, or a can of whatever uh, rot, gut, nasty stuff is going to kill you and rob you and destroy your family. That's what you did. That ain't a slip. Now, when you guys walk across this threshold here, you've learned there's a little step right there. I used to have some yellow tape, and it, it's, it's come off. Now, if you trip over that thing right there, that's called a slip. That's an accident, okay? It can't be avoided. Now, if you do it over and over and over, that's a different story. You may have to have a conversation later on. But nonetheless, <laughs> this is not an incident. This can be avoided. This can't be avoided. It's an accident. And I'm just using drinking as an example because there's just enough stupid people out there to, to partake of it, all right? What I'm saying, guys, is that's an incident, something that can be avoided. You purposely planned that, and it's wicked and it's vile, and it's a terrible testimony for Jesus Christ. You say, well, thank God Jesus died for my sins. Yeah, he died for them all. Past, present, and the ones we're going to commit here in about five seconds, all right? And he died for every single one of those things. And yes, we have to come and, and we have to ask forgiveness. He's already died for them. He's already removed them. You're not going to answer to them on the other side. You're going to give an account for what works you've done in this body. That's what your rewards are based on. But you'll answer for them here. You'll have problems here as a result of it. I'm, I'm making this point, guys, that when we come to the Lord's table... It is a moment of remembrance of what he did for us. And my prayer, my hope, my heart's desire, I know for me at least, it's a remembrance of conviction and how I failed him. And when I get up off this floor here in just a little while after we go to prayer, before we take the Lord's table, my heart and my plan is to not go back down those roads. I'm going to ask you the same. It's a remembrance of his death. It's also a remembrance of his suffering. Look over at 1 Peter with me. 1 Peter in chapter 1. I want you to look in verses 3 through 11. 1 Peter in chapter 1. Notice here about these sufferings, the, you know, what we should remember. The Bible says, blessed be, uh, uh, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, Unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice through, uh, I mean, rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Who have not seen your love, and whom, though you now see, though you 
ye see him not, yet believe, and ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which the salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. Hey, the glory that should follow. The sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Philippians in chapter 3 and verse 10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So often we forget that Jesus Christ did not just die for our sins, but it's the manner and the magnitude that he died. The manifestation of the sufferings that sin caused unto mankind, but not just to mankind, but to God in heaven. He suffered for each and every one of them. The one who knew no sin became sin for us. Acts in chapter 17 and verse, 13, or verse 3 says, Open and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. Uh, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. <laughs> Paul's preaching and teaching and, and I mean he's just... I mean, he's just ripping it apart there in Acts 17. And, and he's saying, look, he's, he's not just that Jesus you slain. He's not just Jesus that died. But he suffered for your sins. And that one that suffered who knew no sin became sin for you. He was the Christ. He was the Messiah, the Savior of this world. So when we show his death, this becomes a moment today, a memorial of a of his remembrance, the remembrance of his sufferings, the remembrance of his shame. Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, I, I know a, a few years back I preached a message titled, you change your thinking, change your outcome. You change the way you think and you change your outcome, which is forever something that is true. The Bible tells us, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you'll change the way you think, you'll change your outcome, my friend. If you'll change the way you think, you'll change what you're going to do this afternoon or what you're not going to do tonight and things along that line. If you'll change your thoughts and your thinking of the cross and Jesus Christ and what he suffered and died for us, you'll change your outward actions throughout the week. You'll prioritize your life. He's the finisher of our faith. There was a joy that was set before him. That joy was the reconciliation of mankind being reunited with the Father as well. But that joy did not come without the endurance of the cross. The suffering of that pain, but also the shame. Our artists in decades and centuries gone past have sanitized the crucifixion. They've sanitized the imagery. The Bible says that he was stripped down naked. He was bludgeoned and beaten. That he was unrecognizable than even a human being. A lump of meat hung upon a tree, suffering and muttering the seven sayings of the cross. The shame, the ultimate separation of the Father when He became sin, and the Father who could not look upon sin, 
for three hours' time. So today we should have a remembrance of his suffering. We have a remembrance of his shame. We have a remembrance of the severance. Mark in chapter 15, verses 32 and 34 says, Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe and that they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? I just alluded to it a moment ago. But in order for Jesus Christ to ultimately die for sin, he had to become sin. He who knew no sin, he had to become. And when he became sin, being part of the Holy Trinity, there had to be a severance, a separation, if you will. The bond between father and son was severed for three hours for Jesus Christ to pay for our sin, for him to get to the point of death. These are the three things that we remember today in his death. These are the three things that are vitally important in our life. These are the three things, my friend, that we need to remember as we come together here this morning for the Lord's table. Before we go into the Lord's table today, I want us to remember that there is a responsibility we all have we have a responsibility to our lord and savior jesus christ to partake in this table worthily the worth is not in the juice the worth is not in the wafer the worth is in the manner that you partake in it if you look there in first corinthians in chapter 11 this morning And we look down, if you will, and look in verse 27. He says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So I'll stop there just to give a a simple unworthy of partaking it. If your intentions are wrong in partaking of the Lord's table, That's unworthy. If you think that the Lord's table has anything to do with you being saved, that's unworthy. If you think there's some magical hocus-pocus transubstantiation within this wafer or this juice today, that's unworthy. That means every single person on a Sunday morning partaking it who teaches and believes in transubstantiation, meaning that the wafer literally converts into the body of Christ, and the same thing with that juice. They are taking it unworthy. If you were lost, if you're not saved and born again, you partake in it unworthy. If you are partaking it for the wrong reasons, you're taking it unworthy. If you're taking the wrong elements, you're taking it unworthy. Any organization that puts fermented juice in there, you're taking it unworthy. Can someone please tell me what fermentation is? It's called death. It's called rot. (laughs) There's not a person in this room 
that would take a stake and sit it outside in the hot beating sun for three days and let maggots get into it and let it rot and then bring it and put it on the barbecue and cook it and eat it. Not one person would you do that. Now, you won't even eat broken cookies, much less you're going to eat a, uh, you know, a rotten steak. What do you think fermentation is? It is the rotting of the fruit in the juice. It is death. So yeah, if, if that right there was fermented, which I remember one time we had a, a bottle of juice from Israel, and we'd had it for several years, and uh, we cracked it open one time to, for the Lord's table, and I went, I said, nope, can't do that. <laughs> I'm saying all that to say this, guys. The Lord's table is something to be taken seriously. Taking it unworthy would be today not only the wrong methods or wrong meanings or wrong motives. But if you take today and you are in the depths of sin in your life, say, you know, you're saved and born again, but you're not living right for the Lord, you're, you're going to partake in unworthily. The Bible tells us, it gives a solution for this. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh, eateth and drinketh damnation, unworthily, sorry, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause are many weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. This is why we always have an invitational call. We have a time of prayer before we partake in the Lord's table. This is why we make sure you're given the opportunity to, as we see, let him in, examine himself, and so let him eat. So you get to take this moment of prayer. Search your heart, search your life. Search where you are. And come before the Lord and ask forgiveness of your sins. That you may be a cleaned vessel, a cleansed heart, and a new mind. Partaken into the Lord's table today. And my prayer would be this. When you get up from that floor and you partake in that Lord's table, when we close this service out tonight, today, you become a new person. Not because of anything the juice of the bread did, but because what, you did, what decision you made in the seat of prayer and examined your true self and what you're really doing, how close are you connected to Jesus Christ? What Rough edges need to be smoothed off. What can you do in your life to prioritize, to increase your faith, to put it in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, to serve him better, to please him better? That's what this moment is for. So at this time, guys, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. There is not a set time for this, guys. All I ask you to do, heads bowed and eyes closed, you seek the Lord as to where he would have you to be today. When you're finished praying, I'm just going to ask you to lift your head up so that I know, so that we can begin the Lord's table.
This time I'm going to ask Daniel to come. Since we um, are still using the combined packets of juice and bread, we'll only need one person this morning. Daniel, I'm going to ask you to bless uh, the moment here. I'll have two others bless the bread and the juice before we partake in each. And uh, so when you get ready, before you disperse, go ahead and pray over both juice and and bread. And then um, once you disperse, we'll all take together, okay? So we'll wait until we are instructed to take. So Daniel, if you will, bless the moment and please disperse after that. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Brother Kelton, if you'll bless the bread this morning, symbolizing the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Church family, take of the bread, symbolizing the body of Christ. And after the same manner also, he took the cup. Brother Andy, if you will, please bless the cup today, symbolizing the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Church family, take of the juice symbolizing the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Brother Dav, if you'll please close the Lord's table in preparation for our final hymn of the morning. trust that